this is Halloween, a very special edition of Weird Animal Facts. Explicit. So this is our second week in a row doing one of the animals in the episode relating to Halloween. <laughs> and I'm your host as usual. I am Deidre. I uh, am a zookeeper. But right now, I am not keeping any zoos. I am not training any animals. I'm not picking up any animal shit. But I will be laying out the shit for you when it comes to giving you the weird dirt on animals. Now, in today's episode, we're talking about two animals, which is the huge for these episodes. We are talking about one, which was actually recommended by Lacey, the Fusa. And the second one is actually our mainly Halloween-themed animal, the ghost shark. Well, uh, I will stop talking and we'll go ahead and get started because, let's face it, you are all here to get the dirt, the weirdo dirt, on these animals. So, the foos is no exception, so let's go ahead and unpack our Halloween candy and get ready for the first animal of today. The Fusa. Madagascar's only predatory cat? No. Lemur. Uh-uh. Mongoose. Nope. Weasel? Try again. Monkey? Uh-uh. Otter? Nope. Huh. Alright, it's fair to say that the average person is easily confused by what the Fusa actually is. Lucky for you, I am not an average person. Therefore, I know exactly what the Fusa is! Weighing between 12 and 20 pounds, oh, that is 5.4 to 9 kilograms for our international friends, and reaching length of 6 feet. Now, this is if we are including the tail, which is quite long. It actually makes about half of the entire body length. With a face like a cat, kind of. Ears of an otter, sort of? Feet like a raccoon, uh, maybe. And a tail like a long, brown, fluffy pipe cleaner. The fusa is a very interesting creature. Technically, the fusa is most closely related to the mongoose and the civet. The civet you may have heard of, in some roundabout, weird, unusual way. The civet is that creature you get the fancy coffee from, whose beans need to go through the bowels of the civet in order for it to get the flavor. Also, it's really not a nice setup for the civet at all, as they live in cages just to give us shit coffee. Moral of the story is, don't drink shitty coffee. Like, literally. Know where you're getting your things from so you don't accidentally promote animal abuse or poaching. I mean, just go to Starbucks or Dunkin'. You don't need shitty coffee. Okay. But Fusa. We're talking about the Fusa, not the Shivet. Civet. Shivet? Civet. It's a civet, but I've been saying shit so much it kind of gets all tangled in the brain. So, the Fusa is the animal we're talking about. And even though the Fusa isn't our Halloween episode of this week, it still has some pretty spooky folklore. Which we might as well try to spook you with. It's late. One night. And you and your family are getting ready for slumber. But how long will that slumber be? For your poultry last night, it was forever. After returning home, you come to find all your birdie friends were dead. Your brother tells you there was a fusa there last night. And it was scent marking everything. Which, according to him, is what ultimately did in the feathered creatures. But your brother's a bit crazy, so you take his word with a grain of salt. 
But now, it is Betty by time. You tuck your kids to sleep, and you lie down for what could be an everlasting sleep. You've heard tales of the Fusa from your crazy-ass brother, and with the Fusa that was spotted on your land last night, one could easily sneak into your chambers while you snooze and lick you. And if you weren't already fully asleep, you would be soon. As according to your crazy-ass brother, a lick from a Fusa will put you into a deep, dark trance. And while you're in that trance, you will be disembobulated! Alright, bullshit. Calling bullshit on this whole thing because that's not true. It is folklore. But just as coyotes in the states or jaguars in Central and South America have become nuisances to local livestock, so has the Fusa in Madagascar. But I suppose that's what us inconsiderate humans get for taking land away from wildlife for our own gain. Karma's a bitch, honey, and Mother Nature ain't a woman you want to fuck with. I'd like to go back to your crazy-ass brother and uh, how he thought that the scent of the Fusa alone is what killed your island chickens. Because every made-up story has some kind of origin, and this is no different. Fusas are very smelly critters. While us humans communicate with emojis, the Fusa communicates with smell. They have scent glands. Hi, I'm Dora. Do you know what scent glands are? They are glands that produce smell. And it's not like your sleepy grandpa when he accidentally lets out a little toot. There is a purpose to the Fusa's scent marking. And most often, it relates to what every animal wants. Sex. Let's get it on. The Fusa have two scent glands. One, just like many other animals, is uh, on their ass, and the other is on their chest. When ready for sex, they will stink it up, just like how humans splash on a squirt of perfume or cologne. Only instead of just rubbing it on your wrist, you rub your ass on anything in your territory, letting the opposite know that you are ready to get frisky. Meow. What's really unusual about the Fusa's mating behavior is that a female will just hang out in a tree. And that tree will be covered in her scent, waiting for the men to line up, for she will have her pick. She can fuck one or as many as she wants, even with another man waiting in line for their turn. She can fuck that one with that one waiting. Now, I doubt the line is as peaceful as the line in the coffee shop, but you get the idea. It's a woman's world. And this line of men and fucking them can go on for over a week, with the actual boinking taking several hours. And I mean... I think I'd take it slow, too, if men had backwards-pointing spines on their penis. Ouch. And this brings up a point. What if the female isn't ready for sex? Any woman can tell you multiple stories of when they were unwantingly preyed upon by man only because Mr. Man was horny and thought you were a nice piece of ass. As human women, we have to rely on other women to have our backs. Because not all men are gentlemen. Hopefully all the men watching, listening to this, are gentlemen. But imagine if during puberty, to keep back the men, young women became temporarily... Masculine. First, your clitoris would enlarge, so that it looks like that of the male's spiky penis. I'm pretty sure if I had stepped into a strap-on before going to bars in my younger days, and a pervert grinded up against me, 
he'd move away pretty quick the moment his pee-pee touched my fake one. Then, to take it a step further, you rub orange goo on your belly, which is something only men do to indicate their sexiness. Basically, the juvenile female fusa cross-dresses to keep back the predatory man. Something worth trying, maybe? I don't know. I mean, if you want to dress your teenage daughter up like a sexually mature boy, that's on you. As for me, seeing that I'm still single and haven't been hit on in what feels like forever, ugh, uh, maybe I am part Fusa, and I'm going through the transit masculization that young females go through to stay single. I mean, my shoulders are as broad as Michael Phelps, there's no hourglass shape to my body, and at over 30 years old now, I'm still waiting for my boobs to grow in. Then again, I don't think I'd enjoy exercising if my D-cups were bouncing in my vase. It's super nice not wearing a bra. Just like me, the FUSA is misunderstood and, at times, misrepresented. Just goes to show you, don't judge too quickly. For all you know, that smelly person could just be letting out scents in order to find their one and only true love. Or maybe they're just letting the world know that they're open for business. Either way, as long as they aren't creepily pursuing me and understands that no means no, we'll all get along just fine. Alrighty, folks, that was the FUSA. The FUSA! That's the FUSA. Alright, so now, since we are done talking about my little jibber-jabber of the FUSA, it is now time for... the segment. <sighs> the segment that I often stress about at night. But we're gonna give it a dry, good old college try anyways. Seventy college try, since I am drinking right now. Because, well, let's face it, Scientific names are hard, and I think if I'm a little looser, it'll just come off the tongue a lot more smoothly. So, this is... Scientific names are hard. So, as usual, I asked my roommate Emily to write down the scientific names onto a piece of paper. That's what that little crumbly crumbly noise you hear. That thing that sounds like paper? It's paper. And, uh, it is unknown to me what is written on this paper, aside from the front that says FUSA, so I can tell what is inside. So, we are going to read, I mean I, am going to read, attempt to read, the scientific name of the FUSA. Because listen, when I normally read things and the scientific name is there, or like when you're reading a book, right? Like if I ever read Game of Thrones, which I'm not going to because the names are too ridiculous for me to remember and say, like I would just, my brain would just skim over that word. And uh, I'd, you know, briefly remember what that sort of word looked like. I wouldn't say it out loud because <laughs> that's embarrassing. So I would just, you know, blah, 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 you know, whatever that combination of blah, blah, blah letters are, that is what that person's name is for the rest of the book. And sometimes I make up fake names, right? And no one has to know because you read in your head. However, though, I'm gonna read this scientific name out loud to you. So sit down for a final story time of the FUSA. All right. Open the paper. <clears throat> Cry puto. Cryptoprocota ferox. Cryptoprocota ferox. Ooh, is that a Y or an X? I should ask Emily to uh, spell a little bit better. A little bit better. Uh, I'm going to blame it on her handwriting. Yeah. Yes. This is your fault, Emily. Not mine. I obviously know what I'm saying. Cryptoprocota. Cryptoco... Uh, okay, um, 
let's burn this to the ground. And uh, moving on. It's the transition song From going to one topic to the next It's the transition song So that we have no awkward silence The Ghost Shark Five horror films wrapped in one animal What are the chances? And we're going to go through each one of these five movies horror film movies, and uh, we'll describe why those movies represent the ghost shark. Remember, there's five of them, but we'll talk about a lot of movies, because let's face it, there's a lot of horror films out there, and, uh, you know, Hollywood is uh, kind of boring now, so they just kind of rip off other movies, which we'll talk about. So, the ghost shark. Five horror films wrapped in one animal. Now, the most obvious is the 1975 horror film that ruined the beach for many bumps. Well, perhaps not ruining the sandy shores as much as it ruined the ocean waters. Thanks, Steven Spielberg, for taking a perfect summer beach vacation and turning it into a sea lion nightmare. There is nothing more frightening than the unknown. And what is more unknown than the dark, eerie, wide openness of the deep, dark, blue sea of Martha's Vineyard. I see why they use a different name. Amity Island is much scarier. By the way, it was filmed at Martha's Vineyard. And just like the unknown water that frightened so many uneducated people of the 70s, very much is unknown about the ghost shark. Now, if you happen to Google ghost shark, the first thing that will pop up will be the 2013 sci-fi original horror film with the same name. All we need is the will to live and that thing is coming after us. Get out of the water! Your daddy brought this horror into our world. Although this is not the species of animals we are discussing today, uh, seeing that the movie is about a shark that's a ghost, I mean, you should at least watch the trailer, if not the movie. And in case you don't plan on watching a ridiculous uh, movie about paranormal aquatic life, here's a short synopsis. A man and his daughter catch a big money fish. A living shark eats the big money fish. The man kills the living shark out of revenge. Shark dies in a cave with special properties, creating dun dun dun, ghost shark. Ghost shark seeks revenge by killing the man and his daughter. But ghost shark's killing spree isn't reserved just the open ocean. Pools are no longer safe. Neither is the land. Is nowhere safe from this murderous supernatural ghost shark? You'll have to watch to find out. An actual ghost shark is a fish that is a relative to sharks and rays. Fun fact! Sharks and rays are technically fish, but their body is made out of cartilage instead of bones, making them a special type of fish classified as elasmobranch. Elasmobranch. Elasmobranch? Kind of sounds like an elastic branch, so like cartilage, you know, like the stuff in your ears. Doop, 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 doop. That was me pulling my ears, make, making noises, because, you know, I'm weird. Weird animal facts. Uh, elasto branch. Anyways, moving on. Got sidetracked. Okay. Now, if you want to know what it takes to be a member of the fish club, then check out the seahorse episode from earlier this season, like two episodes ago, I think, whatever, as seahorses are official members of the fish club. So technically, the ghost shark isn't a shark, even though it's very related to them, but it is a fish. Yet sharks are also fish. And it looks like a shark. But then it doesn't look like a great white shark, 
Aside from the, the cartilage, the color, and somewhat similar body? Oh, which then gives me an easy transition into the second horror film, or third if you count sci-fi's Ghost Shark. No, second. Because technically Ghost Shark was obviously influenced by Jaws, just like how Frankenweenie was influenced by our next horror film. Frankenstein. By the way, the guy's name was Frankenstein, not the monster. The monster's name was Frankenstein's monster, or Frankenstein's creature. Victor Frankenstein is the dude who made the monster. The monster doesn't have a name. And neither did the ghost shark until it was recently discovered. Now I want you to imagine the body of Frankenstein, but not, not sexually. Better yet, imagine Frankenweenie, since this is an animal show. Might as well, right? And if you need help turning on your imagination, check out our Instagram, at WAFpodcast, for images of the animals and other fun things discussed in today's episode. Specifically, what I want you to imagine is a childlike stitchwork that Victor uses to put his beloved dog back together. The ghost shark looks similar, as though Poseidon was on the clock and only had a few moments to reach his animal creation quota and quickly grab some leftover pieces of sharks and rays, throw them together to give us this glorious marine version of Leatherface. And that, my friends, is also the third horror film of the ghost shark. Texas Chainsaw Massacre! And, okay, so those lines across the body of the ghost shark are not the remains of traveling college kids' faces threaded together. Those lines are just a result of unfortunate, horrifying genetics and evolution. And those lines are called lateral line system, and has a much more effective purpose than that of terrifying young travelers. Or to satisfy Leatherface's desires... I mean, I don't know why he wears people's skin on his body, and uh, we probably shouldn't look into it. As for the lateral line system on the ghost shark, those are sense organs, which help the ghost shark detect changes in the water pressure, or movement in the water, and in some, can sense the minute electrical changes that's put out by contracting the muscles of the prey. That means if a fish is nearby and takes a shit, the ghost shark can feel that fishy shit muscle squeezing out a deuce. Perhaps more importantly, it can detect the Earth's magnetic field, which can aid in migration. But who knows if the ghost shark migrates? <laughs> Little is known about it. I mean, only the ghost shark knows for sure. And as I have been mentioning constantly, is uh, there is very little information known about the ghost shark. What we do know about it is what it looks like. And aside from the jigsaw-looking skin... Its eyes belong in a horror movie all its own. Imagine being a marine biologist assigned to reviewing the images recorded on the remotely operated underwater vehicle deep in the depths of the Pacific Ocean. Down there, it's dark. It's over 1,500 meters down. That's more than a mile down. In the deep, dark, vacant ocean. Depths that humans shouldn't withstand. The deepest a freight diver will go is only an embarrassing 400 feet. And for every 33 feet you go down, 15 pounds of pressure is added. At extreme depths, the human body will fail. That is, if the cold doesn't kill you first, the pressure will. You might be lucky enough to pass out before the pain sets in. 
Or perhaps you'll be too cold to feel your blood bleeding into your lungs until your mouth fills with your own blood. Or you could simply drown. Take in enough water, and you can die. If you want a real underwater horror experience, horror movie number four of The Ghost Shark is actually a new movie starring Kristen Stewart. But don't worry, there's no vampires. Or is there? The trailer for Underwater does what any good horror trailer should do and doesn't give away the monster that lives in the deeps. Hopefully the movie will tell you and show you what the monster is and looks like, so then we don't have a Cloverfield situation, where you never see the monster. Instead, you get to watch T.J. Miller die, who is also in this movie. Luckily for the ghost shark, it's a fish, and can survive in the deep sea. But if you venture too deep into the unknown, just like Kristen Stewart and T.J. Miller do, anything could be waiting for you. Like the ghost of a shark! I mean, that could be a real thing. There are people ghosts, and people become ghosts by dying. Think of all the fish in the ocean and how many die and are now ghosts. I mean, the movie Ghost Shark could really happen. It's just like the conjuring of the ocean. The actual ghost shark is only a couple feet long and isn't an actual ghost. As you watch the video that the remote underwater video captured, you might just think that the ghost shark is possessed by a ghost. Enter horror film number five, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. For anyone who has seen this movie, I would say that the scariness is not just throughout the film, but it lingers with you for the rest of your life. Just as the faint, cloudy white eyes of the ghost shark, so does that of the empty eyes and cut up in body of Jane Doe from the film. Leading you to think that someone manufactured this creature? Did the witch mermaids of the sea curse this once beautiful fish? Or did the fish do this to itself as a punishment for mankind? Are the marine biologists who discovered this fish still alive today? Or is it similar to the ring and they all died seven days later? As far as I'm aware, all of the scientists who discovered this fish are still alive. Alright, I don't think the ghost shark is actually a ghost. It did not kill them. Okay. Or at least, that's what they want you to think. <laughs> and now it's time for a bonus fact. Only because there is no horror film about this weird fact of the ghost shark. And after I tell you what it is, you'll be glad there isn't. Unless there is, then that's definitely a horror film. I'm going to skip. But if there is, please tell me, because I really want to know what it is. Okay, to the bonus fact. The male ghost shark has a retractable penis with spikes. And that's not even the weirdest part. The penis is on his head. So maybe Teletubbies are the closest thing to it? <laughs> oh god, I hope those aren't their penises on top of their head. And if there's a penis, then that must also mean there is somewhere for that penis to go. And that would be a lady ghost shark. Now what's really weird about her is that she has her own personal storage for sperm. Why? Think about it. You're a lady ghost shark in the deep dark blue sea that goes on for miles upon miles in every direction. It's not just the X and Y axis. You also have the Z thrown in there as well. How often are you ever going to come across a man? 
Now, see, when she sees a man, I imagine she'd react like uh, Lena Hyena did in Who Framed Roger Rabbit when she sees Eddie. And Rice over to fuck him and then tuck his little swimmers away in her purse until she felt like becoming a mother. Ah, uh, what love does to a woman. There's your fun bonus fact of the ghost shark. Yay! And now since we're all done with all that fun stuff, it's time for another fun episode of... Scientific Names are Hard. So the ghost shark is known by many names, such as Ghost Shark... Elephant fish, elephant shark, silver trumpeter, whitefish, chimera, ratfish, rabbitfish, spookfish, and of course, scientifically named as Calorhinsus milli. Calorhinsus milli. Calorhinsus milli. Yep, that's correct. The ghost shark. Call it what you will, it's a ghost shark. It looks creepy as fuck, but it is still an amazing creature. It's got these flappy flap wings, or fins, I suppose. Looks like a shark, but little. It kind of is a shark, but it's adorable. It's wonderful, and it's the perfect animal to wrap up this episode of Weird Animal Facts Explicit, because the ghost shark is a truly amazing creature. Now, if you thought that was super spooky, Tune in next week, where we will talk about two animals who aren't traditional Halloween animals, but the reason why I want to talk about them is because most animals that represent Halloween have a bad reputation, are misunderstood, same way as many of the animals that we talk about in the show today, and past shows. However, though, the animals I am choosing to talk about next week for our Halloween episode are the animals who you should be afraid of, at least in my opinion. And since I've worked in the animal field for like a decade, and uh, have experience with both the animals in next week's episode, well, uh, I think I have some say that my opinion is somewhat valid. But there will be some fun facts and their true facts, as well as uh, my little antidotes about said creatures. But I'm not giving it away because I want you to tune in. Some of you might already know it because I talk to people sometimes and I am a blabbermouth. As you can see, blabber, 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 blah, blah, blah. And um, also... The dogs fall asleep? I'm trying to move the mic to see if you hear them snoring. Okay, I don't know if you heard him snoring, but he is out. And they're so cute. Maybe I'll put a picture on Instagram, because they're adorable, and we love dogs. Um, before I go, I do want to give a big shout out to people who uh, have helped make this show possible, like my roommate <laughs> and all the people I bug about help me uh, make this as amazing as I can make it. And thank you to those who have been listening. I really appreciate it. It does not go unrecognized. And thank you for everyone who's been sharing this on Facebook and social media and just word of mouth. And if you don't want to like review it, because I know, you know, sometimes it's a hassle to review things for busy people. So even if you don't want to review it, just share it, you know, tell people about it. Because the more people who know about this, the more happiness we can spread, because the goal of this show is to spread happiness. I mean, this one might have been a spooky a little bit, because it's a Halloween episode. But we want to make you happy. We want to educate you, because the happier you are, the more educated you are, the better this planet's going to be. And ultimately, that is why we're all here, to make the planet a better place, and to help each other out. And to help our critter friends out. 
even if they are super, super weird. But we're all weird in some way or another. Anyways, that's enough blabbing for today. Thank you all so much. See you next week. Stay weird.